the CGA Tour, a podcast unlike any other. Now your host, Calvin Alexander. Welcome back to the latest episode of the CGA Tour podcast. As always here, I'm your host, Calvin Glenn Alexander. And on today's episode of the podcast, it's time I talk some hoops. So I've got Thunder Chats on himself here, Dylan Hunsinger at Thunder Chats and uh, what, what's the podcast you guys do as well too? I'm just blanking on the name here. Uh, Top of Thunder Podcast. Top of Thunder Podcast. Yeah. So always putting out some good merchandise as well. I always loved the Thunder. Remember the Thunder logo but with like each player as kind of their flag in it if I remember correctly. Oh yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Thunder Nations. Yeah. 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 That, was, that was a good one um, when we had like Gallinari and a bunch of other guys on the roster too then, right? Schroeder. Yeah, we got we got this. Uh, I'm actually wearing one right now. It's a uh, this is called the blueprint. It mm. was when uh, it was when the guys all went to watch the summer league games and they was all sitting courtside. Um, Sublime Illus uh, Illus Fifty. Um, he's Sublime Illustrations. Like he's a Twitter artist for. He's a huge Thunder fan. He's he sketched it up for us. He does a lot of our shirts and. Yeah, I was like, man, I need that as a shirt. Like, he gave me the design. I was like, yeah, we're, we're putting that out there. So that's awesome, man. Yeah, I love it. I'm trying to do some merchandise myself, maybe before too long, but I always love seeing you guys and all the content you put out, and especially the sport of our favorite team, mutually at least. So, yes, sir. I know, I know you're a Kentucky fan as well. So I'd always give you a hard time about that, except for the fact that Oklahoma State didn't even make it to the postseason last year in basketball. So props to you guys hey, for well, making it there, at least, you know? Yeah, we, we lasted, you know, a, a solid, what, like, uh, I guess technically it's uh, what, 45 minutes? Yeah, because yeah. we went into overtime with St. Peter's. Like, oh, God, that was so stupid. Like, don't get me started on this season, man. Let's, let's, no, let's no, keep let's the good vibes, some, man. Yeah, let's, yeah, let's, let's, let's talk some fun. Thunder basketball for sure because Oklahoma State's last year's our season wasn't too much to talk about either because we couldn't even make the postseason. Um, yeah. So with all being said here, Grant, Thunder have the fourth – Best draft odds coming into the NBA draft lottery. It's this month. And then, of course, with the draft next month, want to get your opinion on basically where you see the Thunder roster going. Um, at, at this point, I've I've tried to keep up with my best with Thunder basketball. I saw three out of four Thunder versus Lakers games, weirdly enough, two in Oklahoma City and one out here in L.A. And Thunder won all three uh, that I went to. So oh, there you it's go. Kinda, kinda, kind of a good news. But then again, Kind of a bad news because you know you're trying for that top three <laughs> overall pick draft odd wise, right? So kind of yeah, a weird deal. Yeah, it's it's a weird feeling, man. Like, you know, to go from like a decade of excellence of, you know, like competing, you know, Western Conference finals, uh, a finals trip, uh consistently in the postseason to just like overnight, really. It's <laughs> just like you, like your whole way of thinking kind of shifts for, for some people. Like, you know, there's still some people that are like die hard, like, you know. This tanking is terrible for the league. It's terrible for the Thunder. Terrible for the players. I don't like it. I don't endorse it. But you know, for for the most part, I, especially on Twitter, like a lot of the Thunder fan base has really, um, I guess, embraced the idea of tanking because, you know, realistically, it's you know, it's the only thing that you can do as a small market if you want to make your way back to the top. Like nobody wants to tank. Nobody wants to intentionally lose these games, but. You know, like you were saying, like, you know, if we want to get back to the top, we have to, you know, bring in blue chip players. Well, as awesome as the city as Oklahoma City is, you know, it's not a free agency destination. It just isn't. Um, 
And so the only way that you're going to be able to do that is to be building through the draft. And if you want to do that, you want to be picking towards the top. So thus, you know, you want to lose as many games as you can while also being able to develop your young talent. So it's like a, it's, it's a tricky balance that you got to, you know, you kind of got to watch and, you know, there's some games that you want to win more than others, especially like down the stretch of the season. Um, You know, there's some games you want to lose more than others. So it's wild times, man. Wild times. Yeah, I've always said I'm I'm never never rooting for the Thunder to lose a game, but mm-hmm. I'm always rooting for us to win home games. If that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, generally speaking, like when we played Portland, played Orlando, played Detroit, and played Houston, yeah, necessarily wasn't like rooting for us to win all of those games, especially just because <laughs> I know in the tiebreaker draft odds specifically. But you know, working in Thunder ticket sales when I was interning and stuff like that, like. I just know it helps when the Thunder win at home. You know, when Westbrook comes mm-hmm. home for the first game and then it's a huge, huge game. There's a bunch of people there. There are, weirdly enough, a bunch of Lakers fans there, oddly enough. But I'm sure those are just always going to be around whenever the oh, Lakers yeah. have some type of guy on their team that's good, like LeBron or whoever it may be. But then for the Thunder to win that game, always going to be happy. But uh, in the season, I think we won one too many. So, you know, at least for the best draft odds, then again never rooting for us to lose ever. So it's kind of one of those things. Yeah, it's it's tough, man. Like, you know, I I, I kind of took the I, the mindset uh, last year, especially because like that was like our, like, you know, people act like we've been tanking for years. Like last year was really like our first like true tank year. And, you know, I, I went into the season, you know, saying it's like a movie. Like, you know, I'm not rooting for, like, anything specific to happen. I'm just going to enjoy the ride. Like, I'm going to watch these games. I'm going to enjoy them. And if we win, cool. If we lose, cool. And, you know, we, we ended up losing more than we won, and we ended up, you know, putting ourselves in, you know, solid position. But, you know, this – it's a lottery. So, we, we didn't have luck in the lottery, and, you know – we fell to six, but, you know, we rectified that with a draft pick that, you know, people hated at the time, but, you know, I think that, you know, has shown that he has some potential. So, yeah. So, so I want to ask you more here about Josh Giddy here, here again now with that six overall pick. Yeah. Didn't want to stop on your transition. There, oh, so. no, no, you're totally good. Yeah. But that was, that was, you, you teed me up perfectly because basically for anyone who has not watched a ton of Thunder basketball or not been to a ton of games the past season, like the attendance wasn't, I mean, it wasn't with K, you know, it wasn't the same as when it was KD or Russ or Paul George or I mean, Harden, you know, 10 years ago, whatever it may be now, but it still is a great team to watch on the court. My parents went to the Suns game and my dad was definitely expecting us to lose that game at home. And weirdly enough, we like won it by 20. Now I know there's a lot that goes into that. Poku had, what, 10 rebounds, 12 assists, a triple double. Yeah, that was himself. a triple double. And, yeah. You know, I mean, you wouldn't expect us to beat the now maybe betting odds favorite, or I think still the betting odds favorite, uh, to win it all this year by 20 at home, but still, you're, you're always going to take it. So I want to ask you more about Josh Giddy and, uh, and SGA, of course. Like, which one of those two guys has surprised you most with how good they've been? um in a thunder uniform like which one are you more surprised by like just how much better they have been than you thought they could be if we're going on surprise it's josh giddy 100 percent. like you know i'm I'm a uk fan so i i knew about shay i've kind of watched him since he was a junior in high school really <laughs> like um you know just like watching how he 
not just takes like jumps, like he takes leaps whenever he goes has an off season to, as I like to say, get in the lab and really work on his craft. He takes a leap the next season. So I, I, I wasn't shocked when I saw, you know, the shade that we see today now because I know that's the type of work ethic he has. Josh Giddy, you know, we did a live draft pod. I mean, I think we split it up in like three or four parts, but like collectively we recorded like five hours of podcasts. <laughs> and I think in the second pod was when the Josh Giddy selection happened. And, you know, Thunder fans had con- convinced themselves that it was going to be James Boot Night. If it's not Boot Night, then maybe we're banking on potential we're going to take Jonathan Kaminga. And for us to take Josh Giddy with, you know, no inclination of him ever coming in for a workout with no inclination of another team, you know, wanting him like that early in the draft, it, it left a sour taste in our mouth, you know. And then come to find out the Thunder had a secret workout with him, come to find out the Warriors were going to draft him at the ne- very next pick if we didn't take him there. So, you know, it – it uh it, it kind of you know tempered down you know your anger towards that I guess, but you know really like I still wasn't super excited. Like I knew the kid could pass, awesome. That's yeah. all I knew about the kid because like he, he literally had passing highlights. I knew he he kind of started to shoot a little bit better at the end of the NBL season. I knew he was a good rebounder, but I knew he was you know pretty much a, a revolving door on defense. Like those were the things I knew. So. Coming into the season, coming into the summer league, I, I was excited to watch this kid. I just wanted to, you know, see what he could do. Very first play, uh, he I think he splits a double team and then he dunks. And uh, who was it? I think it was it was somebody for the Pistons. I think it might have been Isaiah Stewart, mm-hmm. and he tried to block him from behind and Giddy finished the dunk. And like I audibly like yelled. And it, it was one of the first times I yelled in the Thunder game. And it was in the summer league. And then, you know, a few minutes later, he hurt his ankle. He's out for the summer league. But that was like my first flash. And like, you know, just watching the kid grow, like just, you know, like I said, he was always going to be a good passer. Like he's got a super high basketball IQ. He's got great vision. But, you know, his ability to really get into the lane, like it's not as seamless as Shea. Like there's not many people who can get to the lane like Shea does. Um but he has a knack for getting to the lane. Uh, he really relies on his floaters. His floaters has been really good around the rim. Um, and he's shown, you know, some games, some flashes of shooting. You know, he's – and I think the thing that's important with the shooting is he's addressed, you know, that he knows that's something he needs to work on. And, you know, from what we've seen in the offseason so far, he's already at work at it. So I think that's going to work itself out defensively. You know, it seemed like he was in the right spots at least. I think he's a bigger guy. I think that, you know, he's got a good frame that he could fill out throughout the league. So I think that, you know, he could be, I'm not saying he's going to be like an above average defender. I'm just saying he's not going to hurt us if he's out there. Um, but yeah, man, like you know, just just a long story, a uh, short way of saying, like, you know, just watching Giddy game by game, the game slowed down for him on offense, you know, him understand defense, manipulating the defense with his eyes. Um, and you know, just, just taking command of the court. Um, the, the big thing with Giddy and Shay is just trying to figure out how to get them to play together effectively, because especially early on in the year, it was a lot of your turn, my turn. And, you know, that's, that's kind of the story when you have like two guys that need the ball in their hands. Um, after the all-star break, 
was the very first game that, that Shea came back. I, th- I think they was playing the Suns, actually. And they actually discussed that, you know, they had a meeting with Mark Dagnall to kind of discuss, you know, what they need to do. And they both have, like, two of the best games of the season. And then Giddy was shut down for the rest of the season after that. So we didn't get to see anything else from that. So that's that's the big thing that we got to see is, you know, you know, that fits a huge question mark. And, you know, we, j- we just got to, you know, see how that's going to work, I guess. Well, I'll give you a huge shout out because I didn't. I didn't send you an outline for the podcast or anything, but I can tell you're just pulling that those numbers off the top of your head. You're right. I mean, I'm looking at the schedule from the past season and the first game that they come back and they both play together before Giddy is shut down. SGA goes off for 32 points and Giddy has a team high in rebounds and assists. So shout out to you for your Thunder knowledge, of course. But then again, I think that goes to show just how good this team could be mm-hmm. when all the when the both those guys are seeing the court and playing together. Granted, I don't think SGA is going to play any summer league ball, but maybe getting nah. does i don't know it seems i seem skeptical at this point well we're actually gonna be at two different summer leagues this year oh nice and okay. Presty said in the exit interviews that giddy is gonna play i, I want to say in the utah one um mm. not the vegas one but in the utah one so he'll he'll be in some g league action there we go well we'll love for that because uh Last year, I went to went to summer league and was there to see Giddy in person. And then, of course, I was yeah. there the day after he sprained his, you know, uh, one of his lower level. So, you know, I mean, I I also saw Kate Cunningham, you know, sit on the bench for a couple of games too because he went to Oklahoma State. And you can, if you're watching this live, I've got a bunch of Oklahoma State stuff behind me. That's where yeah. I went to college at. But kind of brings me, yeah. But kind of brings me to my uh, next point here with with the uh, Thunder roster. Lindy Waters has been. It's a great story overall. I think that's been covered. If you're a Thunder fan or Oklahoma State fan, you pretty much know that. But I want to ask you specifically about him just because I know you're not an Oklahoma State fan. You're a Kentucky fan. I know that you're not an Oklahoma native either. Who You know, you know enough about Lindy Waters' story, of course, now. But mm-hmm. how much do you like him? Do you think he could fit with the team here for years going forward? Or what's your non-Homer view of Lindy Waters, basically? I like him, man. I like that, you know... Obviously, if you can come into the league and you can shoot the ball, like, you know, you could, you know, pretty much carve out a role, at least in regular season. You know, do I think Lindy Waters is going to be closing in the playoffs in a couple of years? Like, no, I don't. But I, I do think that, you know, his shooting, you know, provides something that, you know, teams need in the NBA. Um, I, I think, you know, I, and we've talked about this in our podcast a few times, you know, if you look at the Heat and what they've been able to do, you know, plucking guys from their G League, you got Duncan Robinson, you got Max Struess, you got Gabe Vincent, who's not a shooter, but, you know, he's still a rotation player. And even Kendrick Nunn, who's at the Lakers now, came up from the G League. So, you know, the Heat are like an example of, you know, a team that really utilizes their G League and for what it's for, because before it was the G League, it was the D League. It's all about development in that league. Like, that's the whole purpose of it. And a lot of teams just use it as a wasteland, but the Thunder specifically have always used it, you know, the way it's supposed to be used. And I, I think, you know, this year was a testament to that, you know, bringing in Wendy Waters on a two-way, um, bringing in Aaron Wiggins on a two-way and, you know, utilizing it in other ways, like sending Poku, sending Trey Mann, sending Isaiah Roby, sending Jeremiah Robinson Earl, like all those guys spent time in the G League and they all came back better for it. So, yeah, man, I mean, I think, I think Wendy Waters is a testament that, a, the G League works, and, you know, B, like, you know, it, if you can shoot in this league, like, you're going to carve out a role. 
like I said, you might not, you know, get a lot of minutes in the playoffs, but you know, Wendy's also young. Like, you know, this was his first year. I think he still has another year on his two way contract with the Thunder. So, you know, if he goes into the offseason, like really, you know, grinds and like puts in that work, then, you know, he could really carve out a role in the rotation. And uh, I'd love to see it, man, because uh, I, I want to see him play. He, like, he, he played a lot late in the season, but he didn't get a lot of minutes with Giddy. Mm. And I would love to see, you know, him play with Giddy because, you know, obviously Giddy's passing ability, but also, you know, giving Giddy gravity, um, you know, to help him get to the rim because we got to see him with Shea. Um, but you know, I want to see him get it too. So, and I, I think the most interesting part from like just watching Lenny Waters and trying to see, you know, every minute he's on the court is that like the, you know, one of the last games of the season, he plays 25 minutes against Atlanta, but he's shooting 60% from the field and 53% from three. And then later on, when it's one of those games that we're probably trying to lose just because it's against Portland, um, you know, who's also trying to get their high like, draft lottery odds. Lindy Waters comes in, plays four minutes, but has eight points off yeah. the bench. I mean, it's just one of those things where you said you said it right. He he's just a shooter. I mean, he comes in and is you know he it's funny because his field goal percentage is the exact same as his three point percentage. So pretty much so yeah. that he hit two free throws and hit two threes, and then he was taken out. You know, um, yeah, kind of, kind of one of those one of those funny things is you're trying to play the the minute wise to not help your team necessarily win a game. Uh, although I want to say Orlando has tried to perfect that when we went on a 25 to two run in the second quarter earlier on this season. And it was just, I mean, national media is not going to pick up on that. Yeah. I mean, it's just Orlando yeah. versus OKC and it's, you know, a bunch of, bunch of guys versus a bunch of guys. I'll say it that way. It's not necessarily like SGA lighting it up for 50 points in the game either. Um, when yeah. And, and I, and I remember that Wendy moment, man, because like, I mean, it, it, it was like clockwork. Like he came in and it was two threes in transition. Like, you know, I think, you know, both of them were like off of movement. They weren't like standstill threes and, you know, <laughs> they not called timeout and Lindy was done. It's like, well, I guess Lindy's too good to tank, man. <laughs> yeah. You know, when you got the Oklahoma state guy who's, you know, played with the Enid outlaws and, you know, has a great story of just staying in Oklahoma city because basically due to COVID, he wasn't going to go play overseas, but stayed in Oklahoma city. And now of course he's, he played in the developmental league, like you said. And I think that's that's one of the things that I look for other teams to start start doing more and more. It's interesting to me that Oklahoma City, of course, has the developmental league where the team is literally playing like across the street and sometimes even just in the exact same arena. So they're all practicing together, all the same same guy, same group of guys, more or less. But yep. then you have teams where the Heat use extremely good, like you were just getting at. You they use the D League extremely well to actually develop guys, but then they're they're playing in South Dakota. That's where there's that's where their G League team is, which I think is still right to this day. Yeah, that's um, weird. Yeah, it kind of adds in that like Sioux the Falls Thunder, or something like that. Yeah, Sioux Falls, uh, Sioux Falls Heat, whatever it is. So, yeah, the Thunder moved from Tulsa, yeah, you know, down to Oklahoma City for their blue for the you know it was the Tulsa 66ers, then the OKC blue, and because you know, we were like, hey, you know what? Even Tulsa's too far, but the Miami's going. You know what? Eh, doesn't matter where the guys are, they'll fly. You know, yeah, we'll, we'll be able to get those guys, but. I think it speaks to both teams and how good their coaching staffs are, how much we trust the coaching staffs both ways of Mark Dagnall basically, you know, being the blue coach and then coming over to coach with the Thunder and then winning games that were no one would think we were supposed to win. Um, you know, being the Lakers three out of four times, or maybe even seen four out of four if I can't remember correctly, but basically winning games that we just have no business really being in and showing how Dagnall's a really good defensive coach from that aspect, but 
what have you liked about Dagnault's coaching scheme so far and his basically the way he's coached the team? Uh, yeah, man, I love that Dagnault is unapologetically like himself. Like, it doesn't matter that this is a tanking team. It doesn't matter that, you know, we drafted four rookies. Like, you know, he has a philosophy and he's going to stick to it. And, you know, he, he talked about it in his uh, in his post game and like, you know, pregame, like press conferences and stuff like, you know, um, Trey Mann specifically was like a topic of conversation because there's some games that Trey Mann would play, you know, 10, 15 minutes. There's other games he'd play like four or five minutes. He'd get pulled and he didn't play anymore. It's like, well, because Trey Mann, he didn't say Trey Mann because like, you know, some of these guys, they want to go straight for the Skittles. And, you know, what are Skittles? Like, you know, it's like you get the ball. Like, you know, you get it, you know, try to make a move. You get, try to make a three-pointer. You try to get to the rim, something like that. But, no, like, before you eat your Skittles, you're going to eat your broccoli. And the broccoli is defense. And Dagnall has made it very clear, like, top to bottom, if you're not going to, like, at least compete on the defensive end, like, you're going to get pulled. And, like, he's, he's made that very clear, and he's stood by that mantra. And, you know – it's paid off. Like, I mean, for a big stretch of this year, we was a top 10 defense. And like, we was not a good team. We had no business being a top 10 defense, but there we were. And not only were we a top 10 defense, this was after Lou Dort was already out for the season. And so, and you know, he's our best perimeter defender. So like it, it it's just a testament to, you know, what Mark Dagnall's uh, defensive scheme is. And also offensively, I, I like what, you know, we've seen out of him, you know, when he was brought on, he said, you know, the game's obviously going a certain way and something we want to utilize is pace and space. And that's like completely different than, you know, Billy Donovan, Scott Brooks, you know, the, the past under coach, like, you know, getting out and run spacing the floor and, you know, hitting shots, like playing hard, playing fast, playing together. Like that's, that's something that I've been saying for years about what I want to see from the thunder and, you know, to day notes credit, that's what they've done. Now they don't have a lot of great shooters, as of right now, bottom of the league for two years in a row. Actually, I think we was like 29 uh, the year before last year. So, you know, near the bottom of the league the past two years. But, you know, hope you know there's some chances to rectify that. And, you know, hopefully by the time we get to where we're competing, we get to where, you know, we're making an arrival and not an appearance in the postseason, we'll have some shooting. Because, you know, if you have a guy like Shea Gilds Alexander who can drive to the rim and have all five sets of eyes on him, um, you know, you want somebody that he can kick it out to. You want somebody that could give him gravity so he has more room getting to the rim. When you ask somebody like Giddy, who's a generational p- passer, like you want to have somebody that he can kick it out to in the corner and, you know, get easy buckets. So uh, I, I think shooting is important, and I think that, you know, it will make its way here. I, I kind of joked, you know, whenever uh, Dagnall first came here, and, like, you know, just the offense was humming, like the ball was moving, like we was getting up shots, like – it was crazy because I was tracking this, you know, we was like bottom of the league in three point percentage, but we was like top five in three point attempts. Mm. Like we like shoot or shoot, like we was <laughs> shooting it. And I was like, you know, just imagine this lineup with, and I was just, you know, I was just being dumb at that point. I was like with Kay Cunningham and Chet Holmgren and Victor Wimbanyama. But, you know, like seriously, like imagine, you know, that offense with better players and, you know, the better players are coming, you know, we're just very early in this rebuild. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a very firm believer in what uh, Dave Maltz doing on both sides of the ball. That, that's awesome. Yeah. Cause I, 
I watched uh, I watched Shaq to the Fool the other night, and there was a clip where Poku, Poku's trying to like reverse dunk, doesn't get doesn't get enough hops to get the reverse dunk. Mm-hmm, I remember. And, and you see Dagnall just squint, just and lick his lips, squint a little bit, and then they cut to the next clip, of course, or whatever. I'm like, you know what? All right, that guy's not trying to hide his facial expressions too much necessarily, but then again, like, you know, I mean, probably, you know, players learn, right? Like Poku still is incredibly young. And the, really, the rest of the team is. I, I think Miskolov, Ryan saying this, is the oldest player on the team by far, right? Um, yeah, well, I mean, Horford. I mean, yeah. yeah, or Favors, excuse me. Yeah. Him and Favors are kind of around the same age there. But w- when I go through and I look at the roster and the PER on ESPN, there's only two guys who are have a mi- negative PER for the entire season averaged out, which are Rob Edwards and. What was the other guy who didn't remember his name off the top of my head? Um, and Melvin Frazier Jr., which neither of those guys yeah. started a game. They played in five games total combined and didn't average too many minutes either. So I think the team's developing incredibly well. But which the guys so far that maybe you didn't think would have such a high upside, excluding like Giddy, Mann, yeah, of course, SGA. Have you liked watching here that maybe we should be watching more and more as Thunder fans? Uh, yeah, I've really enjoyed what I've seen out of Jeremiah, Jeremiah Robinson Earl at this point. Um, I, I think that he's shown flashes of being a switchable defender. I think he's shown flashes of being a capable shooter. Um, and, like, he's just a guy, and, you know, like, we've had many draft guys in our podcast um, last year, more so this year, but last year, and that was saying, you know, he's a Villanova guy. You know, Villanova guys don't really fail in the league. And, you know, if there's one thing about Villanova guys, they're going to go to work. Like, you know, they're, they're going to, you know, do the intangibles. They're going to do the hard things. They're going to, you know, rebound the basketball. They're going to box out. You know, they're going to spread the ball out. Like, they're going to play smart basketball. And Jeremiah Robinson Earl has been a testament of that in spades um, on both ends of the ball. You know, there was a, there's a viral clip that happened early in the season when Jeremiah Robinson Earl got switched out on James Harden and, you know, obviously James Harden seems to have lost a step, but it di- we didn't know this at the time, right? Uh, early right, in the yeah. season, um, and you know Harden was trying to do his best to dance with him, and Jeremiah Robinson Earl, he was just, he just wasn't breaking. He was just staying right in front of him, got a perfect contest, and you know, Harden obviously missed the shot, and, and Thunder fans, like you know, their eyeballs were on the floor because they they, they didn't know what just happened, and you know, if you look at like you know what the Celtics are doing. Uh, you know, obviously they bounce back against the Bucks in games too, but like against the Nets, like just the switchability, like how important that is to have defenders like a Grant Williams, uh, like Al Horford, which even in his old age is, you know, been able to provide some switchability. Like I think Jeremiah Robinson Earl could potentially, ha- you know, play a role, you know, later on in the postseason, similar to that of Grant Williams, a guy that, you know, knocks down shots in the corner, plays hard and, uh, you know, can switch around defensively. So yeah, I've, I've loved what I've seen now, Jeremiah Robinson Earl specifically. Well, there's, there's one other guy that I want to ask you about that was not, not a high draft pick. In fact, I don't think a draft pick um, here as well, which is Wiggins. Of course, not Andrew Wiggins, who a lot of Kansas fans would know, but Aaron Wiggins. Yeah. What, what have you liked about it, watching him play so far? I mean, Grant, he's had one heck of a good story too, coming over from the G league, just like Lindy, but I mean, he really seemed to, kind of catch on late in the season, played 50 games for the Thunder. Well, um, Aaron Wiggins, he was picked 55 in the draft. And I, you know, as much crap as we gave Giddy in that live draft pod, I I gave a lot of crap to Wiggins at the end too, just because I didn't know anything about him. 
but it was the fact that we had pick 55 and we had to stay on, you know, three, four hours yeah, 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 no <laughs> on the draft just so we could get to him. But no, man, like Wiggins, I've loved what I've seen out of Wiggins. Um, you know, Presty said that his interview really won him over. He was like, you know, is this guy, you know, 25 or is he 45? Like, you know, he just, he's, he's very mature um, in his thinking and how he carries himself. But on the court, man, like he's uber athletic. He gets after it defensively. He's really smooth. Uh, I didn't realize this, you know, coming in, you know, coming into the season, like he's really smooth with his handle and the shot. Like, you know, I don't think he's ever going to be, you know, like some, I don't think it's even fair to say that he would be a starter in this league, but I think that he's a guy that can, you know, realistically give you like bench rotation minutes, um, maybe even potentially down the line in the playoffs because, you know, he has the frame. Uh, he's a smart player. Um, he plays hard and, you know, he, he has a lot of, uh, I don't want to say he has a lot of skill, but, you know, he has skill with the ball in his hands and also off ball. He's a great cutter, great slasher. Um, you know, he was a product of many giddy assists this year, you know, coming off backdoor cuts. So I think there's, uh, I'm really intrigued to see what he can do this year. I'm intrigued to see what a lot of the guys could do this year because, you know, whether you've been in the league or you have been in the league, this is the longest offseason we've had in two years. So I'm excited to see, you know, what the guys can do with, you know, this time to work. I think it's a great point just because this is this is the biggest offseason. And it goes back to one point that you brought up much earlier, that the Thunder haven't been tanking for forever. I mean, this is the mm-hmm. second season really of a, of a tank. Two seasons ago, you know, I mean, back in 2020, which seems forever ago, but Chris Paul and... Yeah, Oklahoma City Thunder were going up against James Harden and Russell Westbrook and the Houston Rockets. And, mm-hmm. you know, Grant, it's in the bubble and stuff like that. But we're playing a game seven where if Lou Dort hits hits a three, all of a sudden, maybe we're talking about something completely different or maybe we're talking about the exact same stuff here, too. Who knows? But what I'm looking for the future here in the Thunder draft, I love that on Twitter every single day, it looks like that you basically send the lottery. You, know, you do the send the lottery, see how good mm-hmm. we can get a pick wise. Graham, we've got the Clippers pick as well, which is they have the 12th best la- best draft lottery odds. It's a mouthful yeah. there to say. And of course, we have the fourth. But uh, there's 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 three guys here at the top, maybe four if you include Jay Nivey, maybe five if you include Shane Sharp as well, that it seems like we could all be in contention for depending on how it all shakes out. Which of the top five guys, or however long you want to expand it for, do you like the best for this Thunder team? Let's say if we have the, be- with the first overall pick. Man, I, I think of the five guys you just named there, I think all of them except Jaden Ivey, you can plug right onto this Thunder team and things would go super smoothly. Now, Jaden Ivey is a, an extremely talented basketball player. I think, you know, sky's the limit for him. And if the Thunder picked a four, if they're not convinced at Sharp, like, you know, I could see them taking Jaden Ivey because, you know, he falls into the whole best player available thing uh, as opposed to, you know, best, you know, the whole argument of best player available versus fit. And if you take Jaden Ivey, you know, I actually talked about this with uh, one of our draft guys that we had on our podcast last night. Like, you know, we have a history of that working, you know, they know wasn't the head coach then, but he was on the coaching staff and Billy Donovan uh, championed the three point, three-point guard lineup with Chris Paul, Shea Gildas, Alexander, Dennis Schroeder, and did so to great effectiveness. Like those three, I think the three-man lineup was the highest plus minus in in the league. And 
you know, I mean, so there's there's evidence of that working. Granted, Josh Giddy, Shagos Alexander, Jaden Ivey are different players than, you know, those three before, but you know, there's there's precedence for that to work. Like obviously it's it's gonna take a lot of work to make that fit because to be honest, like Giddy and Shea still don't fit. So if you throw Jaden Ivey in there, it could complicate things even more. But I mean I don't know, man. Like, I kind of have this fan fiction idea that, you know, we get to four, we take Jaden Ivey, we try him out, we do everything we can, we showcase him. And it's just clear that the fit's not working, but he's still a name. He still, you know, has all this potential. And we get into the 2023 draft and we flip him a couple futures for Victor Wimbanyama. That's that's my fan fiction. (laughs) Well, so Victor's one guy who I know almost nothing about. Um, yeah. Can you, can you tell me a little bit more about him, basically? I mean, what do you want in a basketball player? It's Victor Wembanyama, man. Like he okay. can do anything offensively. Like he's he's got a handle. Uh, he can pass. He can shoot. He's got a post game. He can finish around the basket. I mean, he's he's a seven three. Like you know, I the phrase unicorn's been overused. I referred to him in my article as a unicorn demogorgon. Like that's that's what he is from now on to me because like it's good if he hits you haven't seen this kind of player in basketball like I'm naming all he can do offensively like you know he has obviously the wingspan I think he has like a seven eleven wingspan um, quick feet you know he's he's wiry he's skinny but like you know kind of like Kevin Durant like you know he's he's strong wiry. Um, so, you know, he can hold his own in the post, great shot blocking instincts. Like he can do, he can do pretty much everything. So yeah, he's, he's the prize in 2023 and that's, you know, we haven't talked about it, but like, that's kind of why I think one of the big reasons I think that we probably have another year of tanking before we kind of push our chips in. Gotcha. Well, so at least when it comes to right now, he's not playing college basketball though next year, right? He's a foreign prospect. Yeah, no, he plays. Okay. Uh, he plays in France. Uh, I think okay. it's the Euroleague. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I yeah. mean, the the fluency that you pronounce his last name with, but I've seen it. What starts with a W? It's mm-hmm. just not how I thought you'd pronounce it. So I'll do some work on that before I come back here with Victor's uh, last name, at least. So. Yeah, my my co-host intentionally, uh, Jerry. He intentionally like just butchers the name every time he says it because he thinks it's funny. I'm like, all right, Jerry, we we got you. <laughs> Well, I mean, Topic Thunder podcast, always a great one to listen to there to especially get more Thunder insights. But I want to ask you a little more about the playoffs, of course, coming up for you know, for this season. Um, granted, we're, we're in the middle of the playoffs. Like, it's not necessarily the Western Eastern Conference Finals yet, but that's the next round. And you got Heat Sixers tonight, which is currently going. Um, you know, Suns Mavericks is later on. No, excuse me, that's tomorrow. Um, but tonight, at least... It's uh, it, it's it's fun to watch. Called it's fun to watch NBA basketball. That's what I'm getting at here. But mm-hmm. there's no games on tonight. The Suns are up 2-0 against the Mavs. Um, the Heat are up 2-0 against the Sixers. They play Game Three tomorrow night. And then of course, on the other side of it, you know, you've got the Celtics, Bucks, one and one. Of of all the games going, basically here, what I'm getting to, which team do you like the best to win it all? Um, you know, if I'm asking you, if you had if you had to bet ten bucks on team, who would you feel the best about? Yeah, man, like pretty consistently throughout the season, I felt really strong about Suns Bucks part two. 
And even going into the playoffs, even through the first round of the playoffs, I still felt great about that. And then Chris Middleton got hurt and is supposed to miss the entire round too. And I watched what the Celtics did, you know, against Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets. And I don't know if the Bucks can beat that. You know, granted, then game one happened and Giannis explodes and Giannis is Giannis, but then game two happened. And it seemed like, you know, the Celtics made adjustments and, you know, they found a way to try to contain Giannis. And, you know, it also helps when your shots just start to fall a little bit. And so I don't know, man. I, I think that if I had to pick a finals right now, it would be Sun Celtics um, with an outside shot of the Warriors making it because I think the Warriors have been playing really good basketball as well. Yeah, I, I definitely agree on that front, um, especially the Warriors have been playing incredibly well, losing Gary Trent. Excuse me, losing Gary Payton, uh, yeah, Gary Payton the second. It doesn't yeah. help them out too much there, but yeah, they're they're tied up one and once so the one matchup I didn't mention here with the Grizzlies. How how much do you think John Morant could get better? I mean, the guy's averaging like twenty seven point four points per game this season, and seems to be going off. Grand now retrospects twenty twenty, but we all would have taken Jaw over Zion, right? And it's just been incredible to see Jaw be this good. How how good do you think that guy could be, um, or, or really any of the any of the prospects for the Grizzlies? Yeah, man. I mean, Jaws Jaws been great this year. Like, he's he's been phenomenal. Like he's one of the funnest players to watch in the league. Like you know, just with his high flying antics. Um, I I think in order for like Jaw to like you know get better, like he really needs to add a consistent like off the dribble three point shot. Like, you know, he can make it stand still and he does make some, you know, step backs, but like, he's, he's still not like a, he's not a guy that like, I would be upset about him shooting a three. Like, I think he shot five of 12 against the Warriors, but like, if I'm the Warriors, like, let him shoot. He's not getting to the rim. He's not dunking on us. Like, yeah, like I, I'm fine with John Morant shooting, you know, a contested step back three. Um, and, and also, I know it's hard to, ask him to do that with everything else he's doing, like rebounding, assisting the basketball, and, of course, scoring and putting a pressure on the rim. Um, but, you know, if he was to take another step forward, I think it would have to be the shooting and defense, personally. Gotcha. Well, from from the rest of the NBA playoffs, um, we talked a little bit about, you know, Bucks Celtics and then Sixers Heat. Did you see any part of in any part of your mind with with the Sixers specifically and James Harden? Did you think that the downfall of him and it could be just for this season? Who knows? He could come back next year and surprise us all and be great with the Sixers and have more time to gel with them. But did you see James Harden playing this badly this quickly with um, with the environment he's in? I'll be honest, man. Like when the trade happened, like mm-hmm. you know, cool. Like you traded somebody that hadn't played basketball for you know, one of the theoretical, like, top 10, 15 players in the league. But I didn't love the fit when it happened. And, you know, obviously there were some games, like, it really worked. Like, I think specifically after the trade deadline, they went on, like, a run of a few games. But, like, what people didn't realize is they was playing, like, sub-500 teams. Like, you're supposed to beat those guys. And, I mean, it's it's clear as day, man. Harden's just not the same. Like, he's... He, he doesn't have the same burst. Uh, he's clearly lost a step. And somehow, I, like, somehow he's found a way to care less than he usually does. So, uh, yeah, man, I, 
I don't know. Like I, one of the draft guys, uh, Nathan Grubel draft deeper. Um, he's a Sixers fan and he actually posed a question on Twitter today. You know, does, does Philly like actually extend James Harden this off season or is he going to join another new team? Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's a legitimate thing to ask because, you know, he still gives you a little bit of playmaking, you know, every now and then, you know, he turns back the clock on being able to shoot. But like, if you can't put pressure on the rim, like, you know, guys can really take you out of your game. And, you know, he's like the, like he's not a, he's the net negative on defense. Um, so like, I don't know, man, it's, it's, it's hard to say. Yeah. I remember going back to when he was, of course, in a Thunder uniform, um, mm-hmm. and th- those, those fond memories. There's a reason why he came off the bench. There's a reason why he was sixth man of the year. And there's a reason why he wasn't starting at the two guard positions because he couldn't play defense. Now, Westbrook used to be able to play in pretty darn good defense for his size. Not great defense, you know, Pac-12 defense player of the year or Pac-12 mm-hmm. first team defense uh, when he's in college. But then you've got KD as well. And KD's now better defense than I think he was in a Thunder uniform. But yeah. still, he was kind of average on defense is to say, you know, Kind of how he is, and no one's just exceptional on defense. But my thing about James Harden, I do not think defense. Um, I think everything besides defense when he was playing for the Thunder, and especially mm-hmm. playing for the Rockets. So to see him play now and see how good Tyrese Maxey is, especially too. I don't know if you. I don't know if uh, there's going to be a lot of Philly fans who are going to be happy with that much cap space going to James Harden in year four or five of his deal if he's re-upped for fifty mil a year. Uh, it just seems crazy. Yeah, it's, it's tough, man. And, you know, I mean, at least you have another player that's, you know, kind of stepped up in Tyrese Maxey. And he was a guy that, you know, obviously I was high on coming into draft because he's a Kentucky guy. But I didn't really like him in his time as Kentucky because he, he was kind of an underwhelming player. But, like, you know, once, you know, the draft season got started and, you know, you saw, like, you know, heard all these stories. I think uh, I feel like the Athletic wrote a story about, like, his work ethic and how like he basically had to like block him out of the gym because like he, he would just go there like, you know, in the wee hours of the night. Like I really um, pride that like in a guy, you know, in a draft prospect for uh, specifically for the work ethic. And, you know, we was like talking on the pod and I was like, you know, if you look at this guy's stats compared to this one's, you look at their measurables, you look at their wingspan he's very comparable to Donovan Mitchell. And so like, I was like, you know, this, this I'm calling my shot. This is his vaulted ceiling. I think his vaulted ceiling is Donovan Mitchell. And at this point, like, you know, Donovan Mitchell has obviously struggled, but he's all the, also like, you know, just went through like these ridiculous stretches in the postseason. but Maxie's able to dominate the game without dominating the ball. And he's able to do so on the defensive end. He's able to do so in transition. And, you know, he's able to do so with the ball in his hands. But, like, you know, he does a lot of his damage off ball. Like, you know, a lot a lot of these, you know, playoff minutes, he's playing with James Harden. And if Harden's out there, he's probably going to have the ball. So, I, I think there's still another level for Maxi to go. And who knows, man? He could surpass what Donovan Mitchell's been. Yeah, well, I guess there's uh, – I got – couple more questions for you here, but I did want to ask you about this a dream scenario, right? You, you go back to, you know, any Thunder any Thunder team in the past, you know, let's say 10, 12 years now, 
what uh, what one thing would you change if you could change anything about one season from a Thunder Whew. Thunder perspective? I know it's going back a little bit. Me immediately, I go to like Patrick Beverly doesn't you know screw up Westbrook's knee in yeah. the playoffs. Um, watch that like SB Nation kind of the you know the Thunder collapse or whatever too many times and you know begrudgingly of course just trying to make myself feel better because they do mention the injuries every single time I watch that because hasn't the video hasn't changed but you go back through and just redo a Thunder Thunder moment or Thunder kind of season so as be what sticks out to you the most if I could go back and change anything mm-hmm. uh. I would keep James Harden out of the Miami nightlife in the finals because, I mean, Kendrick Perkins talked about it in, uh, I don't even remember what podcast. Oh, it was uh, all the smoke podcast. Mm. It's like, you know, like Russ and KD was ready. Like, you know, everybody was ready, but Harden, like he would just go out at night and he wouldn't come back. Like, and you know, it, it, it looked like it, like there's people on Twitter, like that was questioning if James Harden was point shaving. <laughs> Because, like, that's how bad he was in, in the finals. And, you know, we really needed him. Like, you know, if if you look, like, we won game one, and, like, that was awesome in OKC. And then they stole game two. I still think we should have won. LeBron definitely fouled KD. Yeah. I'm still mad about it to this day, but, you know, whatever. Like, we could have went to the Miami Heat. Like, we could have went to Miami up 2-0 and Harden, you know, not hit the nightclub life, like, I think I think we could have won that series. Like I still think that we were the better like overall team. Like LeBron was probably better than KD at that time. Wade was probably better than Westbrook at that time. I grant you that, but like overall team, like I still think we should have won. And you know that's that's one of the reasons to this day I don't like James Harden because like he 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 couldn't just like just just button it up for like two weeks, man. And then literally go crazy. Go J.R. Smith. Never put a shirt on. Like, hit up every nightclub. Like, it's going to be so much easier then because you won the finals. I mean, his, a lot of his value and a lot of his, you know, the ability to go to Houston for and get paid max contracts is because I think in my mind, he played in Oklahoma City to start out his career where he didn't play in a huge nightlife city um, mm-hmm. for a while. And it definitely helped that, helped him out a lot with that because... The, the jokes are made on the Ringer podcast with Simmons, Rosillo, and others too, but also, like, everyone knows now. You you look at the splits of whenever James Harden goes to Atlanta or he goes to Miami or he goes to New York or whatever, they're just worse. And it's maybe catching up to him now in his not old age, but younger, kind of oldish age here as he hits, like, you know, towards the end, or end part of his career. He's not... He's not still rising up. There's no way he is after he's won a couple MVPs anyways. But uh, second to last question for you here is, is that going into the Thunder season next year, um, you've hinted at it. I think you've said it here too. You think we'll we'll tank kind of again. But how do you think the team will be? What are you looking for in the next next season? Like, uh, you know, Gideon, SGA, John a little bit more, seeing the new draft pick plays out, all of the above. What are you looking for in the next season? Yeah, man, like, I would love to see Shea finally make it to the All-Star game. Like, I, I wrote an article that he didn't deserve to be an All-Star this year, and, like, Shea's my favorite player in the league, so, like, that was very hard to write. But he was absolutely robbed the year before. Like, he 100% should have been in at the first ballot 
And then when they needed a replacement and they brought in Mike Conley, like, sure, like, whatever. Like, that's a nostalgia award. Like, his stats were okay. But, like, Shea deserved to be in the All-Star game that year. And so, like, I, I really wanted to see – I want to see him be an All-Star, um, you know, be rewarded for his hard work because I, I think there's another jump coming. I don't think he was fully healthy in the season. He talked about, you know, those 10 games that he missed, he was able to really get his ankle right. And lo and behold – as soon as he came back, he ripped off like 10 to 12, like straight 30 point games. So, you know, there might be something to that. Um, but yeah, man, you know, I, I want to see the improvements that Giddy's made. Um, I want to see, you know, like I said, man, I, I want to see, I just want to see how this team improves because, you know, Presti alluded to it. You know, everybody thinks that, you know, we have all these picks that we're just going to consolidate because you can't take everybody. And Presti's like, you know, I challenge that. Why can't we take everybody? Like, you know, you have a training camp. You can bring in all these people. And at that point, you've got to show that you earn the spot on this team. And so, you know, we've got a lot of young guys that I think could be on the bubble. Isaiah Roby, um, Teo Maladon. Um, then you got, you know, guys like Aaron Wiggins, Alex Pokoszewski, you know, who could be, and Darius Baisley, to be quite frank, that could be playing for like their spot, depending on, you know, who we bring in in the draft and whatnot. So, you know, like I said, you've got the longest offseason you've had in two years. I want to see how these guys utilize it and I want to see how they come back. Um, and then, yeah, obviously, like I'm very excited to see what happens with this draft. You know, there's minuscule, albeit minuscule, uh, but there is a chance that, you know, we could end up with pick one and two. Like, that's literally in the realm of possibility. Uh, there's also the potential that we ended up with pick eight and 14. But, you know, it, it's a lottery, man. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, you know, I mean, either way, we're going to have two picks on the lottery. And, like, that's that's awesome. So, I, I'm excited uh, to see what happens there. Um, yeah, I, I guess I guess that's my answer. I'm, I'm just excited. I'm excited for next season. You know, like I said, I don't think that we're going to be like pushing for the plane or anything like that, but um, I am excited to see how the guys do. Yeah, I, I am as well. Uh, the thing I'm looking forward to most next season is really just to see how SGA and Giddy end up meshing, just playing multiple mm-hmm. games together, seeing how the see how they do, and then you know, once the, once the games are national TV for whatever reason on the spotlight, it seems like the Thunder play that much better. And so seeing those guys, you know, in a season that we're probably not trying to win at all next year, seeing how they do in those games where it is, all right, let's just take off, you know, take it off, just every single thing we can, go for a pedal to metal and win as many games as possible. Um, excited to see when we flip that switch. I don't think it'll be next season, but I'm excited for when that is, you know, possibly when we do decide to kind of do that because you're right, we could, we could draft everyone. You know, it's not like we can't draft everyone and then figure it out from there after we do and just have a bunch of really good players on our roster. It's not like depth isn't valuable at all. We've seen how it is with the Sixers. We've seen how it is with the Heat in their series. And, of course, you know, I'm naming, like, you know, basically you know, six different Warriors players who have all just come out of nowhere. Jordan Poole, I don't think anyone thought he'd be this good whatsoever. So the Thunder are able to draft a guy in the – you know, late teens, 20s, Serge Ibaka, and plenty of other guys that I could name off, too. It's not like we don't draft well. Um, so yeah. we've always been good using the draft picks and drafting pretty darn good. And everyone's, in fact, hard to hard to remember a bad draft pick from Sam Presti. Uh, last question for you is basically where can everyone find you at? I mean, I know you're at Thunder Chats, Topic Thunder, but uh, you want to shout out the next article you're working on or anything like that as well here, too? 
Yeah, uh, I, I actually am working on an article um, on Boomtown Hoops. Uh, I, I write there. I try to put out something once a month, um, but I'm actually working on an article inspired by James Edwards from The Athletic. Uh, he basically did like 10 tankathon spins and, you know, wrote out like in detail, like what he thinks each team would take and, you know, what his team would take. You know, he was writing for the Pistons perspective. I, I was going to do that for the Thunder. So uh, I, I'm going to try to have that out uh, by Monday of next week. So uh, that, that's what I'm working on next. But, yeah, other than that, man, yeah, just just follow me at Thunder Chats, um, at Top Thunder, through at OKC Top of Thunder, the Top of Thunder podcast. Uh, we're in draft coverage, and, like, we've had – uh, now we've had four sets of guests, uh, just different draft experts. And I mean, pull, pull them like, you know, behind the curtain, like we're asking them the exact same questions, but you know, everybody's different. Everybody has different opinions, especially in this draft. So like, you know, you're getting a lot of, you know, great intel and great knowledge uh, from these guys. So uh, definitely keep it there for your draft coverage. And of course, undercovers throughout the year. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that's it, man. I appreciate you having me on. You know, it's always a good time. It's been a while since since yeah, I yeah. came on, but you know, it's it's always a good time having on, or coming on, man. Yeah, thanks so much for joining. Seems like I'm living in a different state every single time I have you on. But you know, follow <laughs> follow at OKC Topic Thunder for uh you know for all the great podcasts there covering the Thunder. Follow at Thunder Chats as well too, especially as we inch up towards you know, 11, a little under 11 days left, excuse me, a little under 12 days left here coming up on the draft lottery on Tuesday, May 17th. So I'll be looking forward to it for sure. Seeing where the thunder slots out, fingers crossed, knocking on every single piece of what I can and walking around any ladder, but not under it. Uh, then we have picks <laughs> one and two. So yes. as always, Dylan, thanks so much for joining. Uh, please follow at the CGA tour on Twitter and Instagram as well. If you're not already and um, love being said, catch you guys again soon. 